You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. It's my personal opinion, no matter party affiliation, that a politician admitting a mistake and doing the right thing, even if it means reversing their own policy, is always positive. Everybody makes mistakes. The hardcore partisan nature of our politics has made admitting them harder than ever. So it is a rare thing to see. Unless, of course, you hang out near the Ontario legislature where you can catch one live every few days right now. The Ford government reversing its plan to expand urban boundaries for several Ontario communities in order to build more housing. The past couple of weeks at Queen's Park have seen some major walkbacks by the progressive conservative government. We have already covered Premier Doug Ford's apology for his Greenbelt scandal. And even that was formally submitted as legislation last week, putting back into the Greenbelt the land the Conservatives had previously carved out. Housing Minister Paul Calandra introduced legislation to return parcels of land to the protected Greenbelt. This comes after the lands were removed by the PC government to allow housing to be built. And this week, as you just heard, amid new reports that the urban boundaries in question were perhaps drawn up by developers, Ford's housing minister abandoned that plan too. Amid all of this, we had the New Democrats first support and then eject an MPP over a tweet about the Israel-Hamas conflict. We had calls for a new investigation into a notorious trip to Vegas, which has seen several different explanations already. And the Premier, in the spirit of all these reversals, called for the Bank of Canada to reverse its direction on interest rates. That last one, however, is a reversal beyond even the power of the Ontario legislature. Seemingly the only one these days. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Richard Southern is a Queen's Park reporter with City News, and every so often, when things pop off down there for us, hey, Richard. And things are popping off a lot lately. Jordan, it's good to be back with you. Thank you. Uh, I gotta ask you, is the Ontario government at this point just, you know, going backwards and reversing every piece of legislation they passed, or uh, what's next here? I I think this is a government obviously hurt badly by the Greenbelt scandal, and, you know, very actively trying to prevent any future scandals. And yes, as a result, we're seeing a lot of flip-flopping going on at Queen's Park, Jordan. So explain the latest reversals that we saw um, early this week. I know they are like tangentially related to the the Greenbelt, but they are not the same uh, bits of legislation. What were the initial decisions the government made and, and why did they say they've walked them back now? So they're walking back the expanding of urban boundaries. So this is kind of similar to what we saw with the the Greenbelt land around the GTA, where the government had allowed a number or had mandated that a number of municipalities, you know, including, you know, Barrie and Ottawa and Waterloo, uh, a lot of uh, of towns in Ontario, they could uh, be allowed to build homes on protected forested land. And it was a controversial move that the government build as being critical uh, to meet its housing targets. But it was a move a lot of these cities, Jordan said, this is a tool we don't need to use to meet our housing targets. Huh. So the, the cities were really pushing back against this plan to 
expand urban boundaries. But the Ford government said, no, this is critical. Well, out of nowhere this past Monday, uh, out comes the new housing minister, Paul Calandra, and says, you know what? This wasn't that thought out properly. We're going to scrap this idea entirely. And what's more, he says, we may compensate these Ontario cities for any financial damages they may incur if they've already started to build on these urban boundaries. Why might they do that? Why might they uh, reverse that decision? And what kinds of stories have been over the past weeks and months dribbling out around uh, these urban boundaries and, and how and where they were created? Well, the, you know, it comes back to the big Greenbelt scandal, which the RCMP, the Federal Police Force, is now investigating. And I think the two are very much related, where the government here in Ontario said they, they want to build one and a half million new homes. We have a housing crisis in Ontario, just like much of Canada does. Right. And uh, the government said, OK, to build more homes, we're going to allow construction on protected lands uh, that had, you know, up until now been zoned only for the rivers and the streams and the, the farming there and no housing. It later came to light, though, that a lot of the protected areas the Ontario government opened up were areas that housing developers in Ontario had specifically asked the government for. And, you know, a lot of independent reports showed that, you know, developers had met with the former housing minister's chief of staff, had handed manila envelopes over to them with specific requests to open up swaths of land that were later uh, opened up by the government. So there was a there was a process that clearly wasn't right. Uh, Premier Ford, in an epic backtrack in September, said we're scrapping plans to to build on the Greenbelt protected land around the GTA. But that left many to say, well, OK, what are you going to do with these urban boundaries that you've expanded in other cities around Ontario? Isn't that kind of the same thing? And uh, lo and behold, we had this this big backtrack on that particular file as well. As far as why the government did it now, that's not quite clear. Like I say, I think they are looking to avoid any future scandals or pitfalls. But mm-hmm. one has to imagine, Jordan, that there could be some more news coming on this. Uh, Environmental Defense is a group that we know has filed some freedom of information requests on this. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more reporting on urban boundaries. And perhaps this is a, a move by the Ford government to get out ahead of some future story here. You mentioned the major reversal on the green belts. Last month, Ford reversed that decision. Last week, though, the policy, I guess, was officially reversed with legislation. Can you walk us through a little bit of, of what's actually in that legislation around the green belt and what happens to that land now? Yeah, the legislation puts all of the land taken out and given to a few select developers. It puts it back in. But, you know, more importantly, uh, it will, if passed, make it so that any future changes to the Greenbelt lands surrounding Toronto will have to be done via legislation. You know, mm-hmm. The Ford government first did this with regulation. So just, you know, with a pen stroke. Uh, so any future changes will have to go through the, the legislature. The interesting part to me of the bill was that there's also a provision in there that prohibits anyone from suing the Ontario government, including uh, Premier Ford. A lot of developers had bought this land, I guess, with the understanding that they'd be able to build on it. And now they're sitting on land that they pay good money for and they can't do anything with it. So the the worry has been, are there going to be future lawsuits here that the Ontario taxpayer would have to pay for? This legislation states nobody's going to be liable for this whole situation, Jordan. Maybe this is just me being naive, but I didn't realize the government was just allowed to legislate that you're not allowed to sue them. They can legislate whatever they want, I suppose. I mean, 
Yeah, this is actually, it has been done before where they, okay. there's a clause saying, hey, you can't sue the government. They should put it in all legislation. They really should. I mean, they're trying to, I guess, protect not only themselves, but I guess the taxpayer, you could argue as well. How have the developers reacted to that? Uh, first of all, the Greenbelt legislation. Second of all, the idea that you won't be able to sue uh, over that legislation. And then I guess third of all, to this latest reversal, uh, where I assume they had also been speculating ar around the land that was to be developed for homes. So myself and my fellow reporters of Queen's Park have obviously been eager to interview a lot of these developers, and we've made many requests. And uh, for the most part, they haven't gotten back, so they're not talking. We did hear from uh, Raheem Ramatula, a noted developer who, you know, if you've been following this story, he went on a Vegas a trip right. uh, with a minister from the Ford government who's now resigned, and there's, they got good luck massages. It was a whole thing, if you care to Google that. He did speak out this developer, and he said, you know, we're happy with it. There's been a lot of talk, Jordan, that uh, developers are, are not keen to make a big scene about this because they are eager to work with the Ford government on other big infrastructure projects that mm. they have going. The government's looking to build a brand new highway across the top of the greater Toronto area, and they're going to need uh, developers on board for that. So perhaps the, the big land developers aren't too eager to ruffle any feathers over this issue. With the reversal of the green belt and now the reversal of these urban boundaries, where does that leave the government's housing plan? I mean, as you mentioned, both of these initiatives were things that the government itself said were critical to meeting its housing targets. The government said it was critical, but their own housing report that came out some two years ago said it wasn't. Huh. Uh, the report detailed how the government could meet its housing target of one and a half million homes without building on protected lands by doing things like zoning for more fourplexes, where you can build sort of four homes on one plot. And it's those sort of initiatives that the government is going to, to go forward with. It is a bit of a communications issue for them in that they build this is so critical. And now they're saying, hey, we're still going to meet our housing targets without doing any. You know, it's all part of this uh, epic backtrack that they're, they're, they're trying to navigate. It's a backtrack, I should mention, though, Jordan, that if you believe the polls is working. I was going to ask, yeah. Now the, the latest polling we got out um, post-Ford flip-flop on this shows the government back up in the polls. It, by all accounts, shows the apology and flip-flop by the premier is working. There has been a lot of questions around the land the government has taken for Ontario Place and the potential uh, movement of the Science Centre. And there's a lot of folks in Toronto saying that now is the time for them to reverse those as well while they're still feeling the heat. Has there been any serious discussion of that by the government for sure? But I mean, even uh, the opposition parties sort of taking up that push. Uh, the opposition are certainly pushing, and we've certainly, as journalists, have asked the government, but uh, they're steadfast as far as moving ahead on these other projects. I mean, particularly on the controversial revamp of uh, Ontario Place. They say work is already underway on that. We'll see what happens. You know, what's really interesting here is we've learned in the last few days that the government has hired Deb Hutton. She was the, the former chief of staff to former Ontario Premier Mike Harris. She's been hired specifically tasked, Jordan, with looking for so-called landmines, hmm. big issues that could trip up the government down the road. And uh, I'm sure she's going to scour all of these projects, and maybe she was scouring the expansion of urban boundaries. Maybe that's why we saw the backtrack, but she's going to look at all of this, 
to, I guess, try and prevent any future slip-ups by the government. So we'll see. Regardless of political affiliation, my personal opinion is that when a politician admits a mistake, uh, reverses their policy and says, you know what, we got it wrong, we're going to do it right, that it is a positive thing. And I really believe that because uh, in today's partisan world, it's very difficult to do that and, you know, come out of it unscathed. Is there a point where, like, the applause for doing these things sort of dies down because now they're happening an awful lot and maybe that just means you get it wrong the first time a bunch? Yeah, I mean, my first question to the premier when he announced his big backtrack on the Greenbelt was, what took you so long? You know, there was report after report detailing some serious flaws with this particular policy, but it wasn't until he was getting hammered in the polls and it wasn't until he admitted as much that his caucus came to him and said, listen, we're hearing it from our constituents that he reversed this. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's a positive thing. It, you know, if uh, an elected leader says, I'm listening to the people and maybe, you know, we're, we're not going to do this because the people don't want it. But, you know, in the case of, of the Ford government, as you point out, we've seen quite a number of flip-flops over the years. So are these policies being properly thought out to begin with, I suppose, is the question here. I thought back, by the way, just as an aside to uh, during the pandemic, when Premier Ford uh, closed playgrounds, I believe it was, playgrounds and like tennis courts and places where people would gather outside. And then like the parents and everybody else went nuts. The police forces, the local Ontario police forces said, we are not going to enforce this. Like, right. we've never seen that before. They all released statements saying, we're not going to enforce this. And it was a fl- it was a walk back that took, I think, less than 12 hours. It was like the next morning, the government said, you know what, we're not, we're not going to go down this road. That was a pretty epic walk back. We should have realized then, really. I mean, the pandemic was a, was a wild time, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking to, you know, license plates. Uh, Ford wanted to revamp the Ontario license plate. He wanted to save money on it, and he ended up introducing flimsy license plates that the police couldn't see at night. And after a few months, they had to flip-flop and do away with that. There's been a lot of these issues. One other thing I want to discuss, um, which is also, I guess, a reversal of sorts, though not by the government. Um, We saw an NDP MPP ejected uh, from the party this week over... Uh, a tweet around the Israel-Hamas conflict that the government had obviously attacked her for, uh, called her anti-Semitic. Initially, I guess the NDP supported her, but perhaps not once it became too big a problem. Um, Can you unpack for those of us who may have seen this through the prism of social media, uh, which is incredibly polarized right now, Mm. uh, what actually happened at Queen's Park? So her her name is Sarah Jama, and she was elected in the riding of Hamilton Center in a by-election last March. And when the Hamas attack on Israel happened, I think it was the day after, she released a statement on her social media under the NDP letterhead. She was elected as a member of the Ontario NDP. The statement uh, talked about the plight of the Palestinians. Uh, she called it, quote, apartheid in real time. It didn't mention... Uh, the Hamas attack on Israel. And it was that fact that it wasn't mentioned which led to this. The government uh, almost immediately moved to censure her in the legislature. Explain what that is, because I didn't know exactly how this worked. And and frankly, I was surprised that it is this strong a move. It is a strong move. It means that the uh, the member of provincial parliament can no longer speak 
in the legislature. They'll, they still represent their riding, uh, but they can't rise and speak in the legislature. And, you know, after some debate, sure enough, Sarah Jamo was censured. The real story, though, uh, unfolded as far as where she stood with her party. You know, the NDP initially said if she apologizes and takes the tweet down, no problem. She can stay in the party. We're fine with it. Miss Jamma did apologize, but she left her original statement up. And a few days later, she pinned it to the top of her X page, you know, mm. the former Twitter, which means you're you're giving it a more prominence. It's right at the top of your page. Then out of nowhere, uh, she uh, hired a lawyer and threatened to sue Premier Ford. Ford had come out after her statement, Jordan and said that she has a, uh, quote, history of anti-Semitism. Yeah. She sent a cease and desist letter to the premier uh, saying he has to apologize within seven days or she would sue him. She did this, though, without the knowledge of her party. And it was just a few days after that that the NDP said, hey, we're cutting ties. She's getting kicked out and she'll sit as an independent member. Richard, what does every week bring for you at Queen's Park right now? Um, it seems like it's very difficult to predict. We talk to a lot of different uh, political reporters or people that cover various beats around the country. Every time we talk to you or Emma or someone who covers this government, uh, things take a turn. As a journalist, it's fun to cover because there's always a story going on. I mean, not only have we seen scandal and a big one with the government. I mean, the RCMP, as we say, you're looking into them right now. But we've seen this big to do with the opposition. So both sides of the aisle are are interesting to cover right now. This has been an interesting government to cover right from the get-go. I mean, that's why I was actually sat down there five years ago because, you know, here's Doug Ford coming out of Toronto City Hall. What's he going to do as premier? And certainly it's been a very interesting run and it continues to be a fun story to cover. Jordan. Well, yeah, like I said, um, on the one hand, it's good that they can acknowledge a mistake. On the other hand... Lots of mistakes. Thanks, Richard, for joining us. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you next time. Never a dull moment. Great to be here. Thanks, Jordan. Richard Southern at Queen's Park for City News. That was The Big Story. If you'd like more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. If you'd like to tell us to reverse ourselves on something, which I am sure many of you would, you can do so via finding us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. With an email, the address is hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. And you can do it on the phone by calling us at 416-935-5935 and leaving a voicemail. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. Unless I change my mind. <laughs>